0: section number 2 of the story of a soul by saint thérèse of lisieux translated by reverend thomas taylor this librivox recording is in the public domain the autobiography of saint thérèse of lisieux entitled by herself the story of the springtime OF A LITTLE WHITE FLOWER CHAPTER I EARLIEST MEMORIES It is to you, dear mother, that I am about to confide the story of my soul. When you asked me to write it, I feared the task might unsettle me. But since then, our Lord has deigned to make me understand THAT BY SIMPLE OBEDIENCE I SHALL PLEASE HIM BEST. I BEGIN, THEREFORE, TO SING WHAT MUST BE MY ETERNAL SONG, THE MERCIES OF THE LORD. BEFORE SETTING ABOUT MY TASK, I KNELT BEFORE THE STATUE OF OUR LADY, WHICH HAD GIVEN MY FAMILY SO MANY PROOFS OF OUR HEAVENLY MOTHER'S LOVING CARE. As I knelt, I begged of that dear mother to guide my hand, and thus ensure that only what was pleasing to her should find place here. Then, opening the Gospels, my eyes fell upon these words. Jesus, going up into a mountain, called upon him whom he would himself. They threw a clear light upon the mystery of my vocation, and of my entire life, and above all upon the favours which our Lord has granted to my soul. He does not call those who are worthy, but those whom he will. As St. Paul says, god will have mercy on whom he will have mercy so then it is not of him that willeth nor of him that runneth but of god that showeth mercy i often ask myself why god had preferences why all souls did not receive an equal measure of grace I was filled with wonder when I saw extraordinary favors showered on great sinners like St. Paul, St. Augustine, St. Mary Magdalene, and many others, whom he forced, so to speak, to receive his grace. In reading the Lives of the Saints, I was surprised to see that there were certain privileged souls whom our Lord favoured from the cradle to the grave, allowing no obstacle in their path which might keep them from mounting towards Him, permitting no sin to soil the spotless brightness of their baptismal robe. And again it puzzled me why so many poor savages should die without having even heard the name of god our lord has deigned to explain this mystery to me he showed me the book of nature and i understood that every flower created by him is beautiful that the brilliance of the rose and the whiteness of the lily do not lessen the perfume of the violet or the sweet simplicity of the daisy i understood that if all the lowly flowers wished to be roses nature would lose its spring beauty and the fields would no longer be enameled with lovely hues and so it is in the world of souls our lord's living garden he has been pleased to create great saints who may be compared to the lily and the rose but he has also created lesser ones who must be content to be daisies or simple violets flowering at his feet and whose mission is to gladden his divine eyes when he deigns to look down on them and the more gladly they do his will the greater is their perfection I understood this also, that God's love is made manifest as well in a simple soul which does not resist His grace as in one more highly endowed. In fact, the characteristic of love being self-abasement, if all souls resemble the holy doctors who have illuminated the Church it seems that god in coming to them would not stoop low enough but he has created the little child who knows nothing and can but utter feeble cries and the poor savage who has only the natural law to guide him and it is to their hearts that he deigns to stoop these are the field flowers whose simplicity charms him and by his condescension to them our saviour shows his infinite greatness as the sun shines both on the cedar and on the floweret so the divine sun illumines every soul great and small and all correspond to his care just as in nature the seasons are so disposed that on the appointed day the humblest daisy shall unfold its petals you will wonder dear mother to what all this is leading for till now i have said nothing that sounds like the story of my life but did you not tell me to write quite freely whatever came into my mind so it will not be my life properly speaking that you will find in these pages but my thoughts about the graces which it has pleased our lord to bestow on me i am now at a time of life when i can look back on the past for my soul has been refined in the crucible of interior and exterior trials now like a flower after the storm i can raise my head and see that the words of the psalm are realized in me the lord is my shepherd and i shall want nothing he hath set me in a place of pasture he hath brought me up on the water of refreshment he hath converted my soul he hath led me on the paths of justice for his own name's sake FOR THOUGH I SHOULD WALK IN THE MIDST OF THE SHADOW OF DEATH, I WILL FEAR NO EVILS, FOR THOU ART WITH ME. Yes, to me our Lord has always been compassionate and merciful, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy, and so it gives me great joy, dear mother, to come to you and sing his unspeakable mercies it is for you alone that i write the story of the little flower gathered by jesus this thought will help me speak freely without troubling either about style or about the many digressions i shall make for a mother's heart always understands her child even when it can only lisp and so i am sure of being understood and my meaning appreciated If a little flower could speak, it seems to me that it would tell us quite simply all that God has done for it, without hiding any of its gifts. It would not, under the pretext of humility, say that it was not pretty, or that it had not a sweet scent, that the sun had withered its petals or the storm bruised its stem if it knew that such were not the case the little flower that now tells her tale rejoiced in having to publish the holy undeserved favours bestowed upon her by our lord she knows that she had nothing in herself worthy of attracting him his mercy alone showered blessings on her he allowed her to grow in holy soil enriched with the odour of purity and preceded by eight lilies of shining whiteness in his love he willed to preserve her from the poisoned breath of the world hardly had her petals unfolded when this good master transplanted her to the mountain of carmel our lady's chosen garden and now dear mother having summed up in a few words all that god's goodness has done for me i will relate in detail the story of my childhood i know that though to others it may seem wearisome your motherly heart will find pleasure in it in the story of my soul up to the time of my entry into the carmel there are three clearly marked periods The first, in spite of its shortness, is by no means the least rich in memories. It extends from the dawn of reason to the death of my dearly loved mother, in other words, till I was four years and eight months old. God in His goodness did me the favour of awakening my intelligence very early and he has imprinted the recollection of my childhood so deeply in my memory that past events seem to have happened but yesterday without doubt he wished to make me know and appreciate the mother he had given me alas his divine hand soon took her from me to crown her in heaven all my life it has pleased him to surround me with affection My first recollections are of loving smiles and tender caresses, but if he made others love me so much, he made me love them too, for I was of an affectionate nature. You can hardly imagine how much I loved my father and mother, and being very demonstrative, I showed my love in a thousand little ways, though the means I employed make me smile, Now, when I think of them, dear mother, you have given me the letters which my mother wrote at this time to Pauline, who was at school at the Visitation Convent at Le Mans. I remember perfectly the events they refer to, but it will be easier for me simply to quote some passages, though these charming letters, inspired by a mother's love, are too often full of my praises. In proof of what I have said about my way of showing affection for my parents, here is an example. Baby is the dearest little rogue. She comes to kiss me, and at the same time wishes me to die. Oh, how I wish you would die, dear mamma! she said and when she was scolded she was quite astonished and answered but i want you to go to heaven and you say we must die to go there and in her burst of affection for her father she wishes him to die too the dear little thing will hardly leave me she follows me everywhere but likes going into the garden best when i am not there she refuses to stay and cries so much that they are obliged to bring her back she will not even go upstairs alone without calling me at each step mamma mamma and if i forget to answer yes darling she waits where she is and will not move i was nearly three years old when my mother wrote little therese asked me the other day if she would go to heaven yes if you are good i told her oh mamma she answered then if i am not good shall i go to hell well you know what i will do i shall fly to you in heaven and you will hold me tight in your arms and how could god take me away then i saw that she was convinced that god could do nothing to her if she hid herself in my arms marie loves her little sister very much indeed she is a child who delights us all she is extraordinarily outspoken and it is charming to see her run after me to confess her childish faults Mamma, i have pushed celine i slapped her once but i'll not do it again the moment she has done anything mischievous everyone must know yesterday without meaning to do so she tore off a piece of wallpaper. You would have been sorry for her. She wanted to tell her father immediately. When he came home four hours later, everyone else had forgotten about it. But she ran at once to Marie, saying, tell papa that I tore the paper. She waited there like a criminal for sentence. But she thinks she is more easily forgiven if she accuses herself. Papa's name fills me with many happy memories. Mamma laughingly said, He always did whatever I wanted. But he answered, Well, why not? She is the queen. Then he would lift me on his shoulder and caress me in all sorts of ways. Yet I cannot say that he spoilt me. I remember one day, while I was swinging, he called out as he passed. COME AND KISS ME, LITTLE QUEEN, CONTRARY TO MY USUAL CUSTOM, I WOULD NOT STIR, AND ANSWERED pertly, YOU MUST COME FOR IT, PAPA. HE REFUSED QUITE RIGHTLY AND WENT AWAY. MARIE WAS THERE AND SCOLDED ME, SAYING HOW NAUGHTY TO ANSWER PAPA LIKE THAT. HER REPROOF TOOK EFFECT. I GOT OFF THE SWING AT ONCE and the whole house resounded with my cries i hurried upstairs not waiting this time to call mamma at each step my one thought was to find papa and make my peace with him i need not tell you that this was soon done i could not bear to think i had grieved my beloved parents and i acknowledged my faults instantly as this little anecdote related by my mother will show one morning before going downstairs i wanted to kiss therese she seemed to be fast asleep and i did not like to wake her but marie said "Mamma, i am sure she is only pretending so i bent down to kiss her forehead and immediately she hid herself under the clothes saying in the tone of a spoiled child i don't want any one to look at me i was not pleased with her and told her so a minute or two afterwards i heard her crying and was surprised to see her by my side she had got out of her cot by herself and had gone downstairs with bare feet stumbling over her long night-dress her little face was wet with tears mamma she said throwing herself on my knee i am sorry for being naughty forgive me pardon was quickly granted i took the little angel in my arms and pressed her to my heart smothering her with kisses i remember also my great affection for my eldest sister marie who had just left school without seeming to do so i took in all that i saw and heard and i think that i reflected on things then as i do now i listened attentively while she taught and was very good in obedience so as to obtain the privilege of being allowed in the room during lessons she gave me many trifling presents which pleased me greatly i was proud of my two big sisters but as pauline seemed so far away from us i thought of her all day long when i was only just learning to talk and mamma asked what are you thinking about My answer invariably was Pauline. Sometimes I heard people saying that Pauline would be a nun, and without quite knowing what it meant I thought, I will be a nun too. This is one of my first recollections, and I have never changed my mind. So it was the example of this beloved sister, which from the age of two drew me to the divine spouse of virgins. My dearest mother, what tender memories of Pauline I could confide to you here, but it would take me too long. Léonie had also a very warm place in my heart. She loved me very much, and her love was returned. In the evening when she came home from school, She used to take care of me while the others went out, and it seemed to me I can still hear the sweet song she sang to put me to sleep. I remember perfectly the day of her first communion, and I remember also her companion, the poor child whom my mother dressed according to the touching custom of the well-to-do families in Alençon this child did not leave léonie for an instant on that happy day and in the evening at the grand dinner she sat in the place of honour alas i was too small to stay up for this feast but i shared in it a little thanks to papa's goodness for he came himself to bring his little queen a piece of the ice cake the only one now left to speak of is celine the companion of my childhood. My memories of her are so many that I do not know which to choose. We understood each other perfectly, but I was much more forward and lively and far less ingenious. Here is a letter which will show you, dear mother, how sweet was Céline, and how naughty Tererese. I was then nearly three years old, and Céline six and a half. Celine is naturally inclined to be good as to the little puss therese one cannot tell how she will turn out she is so young and heedless she is a very intelligent child but she has not nearly so sweet a disposition as her sister and her stubbornness is almost unconquerable when she has said no nothing will make her change one can leave her all day in the cellar without getting her to say yes she would sooner sleep there i had another fault also of which my mother did not speak in her letters it was self-love here are two instances one day no doubt wishing to see how far my pride would go she smiled and said to me, Thérèse, if you will kiss the ground, I will give you a half-penny. In those days a half-penny was a fortune, and in order to gain it I would had not far to stoop, for I was so tiny there was not much distance between me and the ground. But my pride was up in arms, and holding myself very erect, I said, No, thank you, mamma i would rather go without it another time we were going into the country to see some friends mamma told marie to put on my prettiest frock but not to let me have bare arms i did not say a word and appeared as indifferent as children of that age should be but i said to myself i should have looked much prettier with bare arms With such a disposition I feel sure that had I been brought up by careless parents I should have become very wicked and perhaps have lost my soul. But Jesus watched over his little spouse and turned even her faults to advantage, for being checked early in life they became a means of leading her towards perfection. For instance, as I had great self-love, AND AN INNATE LOVE OF GOOD AS WELL. IT WAS ENOUGH TO TELL ME ONCE, YOU MUST NOT DO THAT, AND I NEVER WANTED TO DO IT AGAIN. HAVING ONLY GOOD EXAMPLE BEFORE MY EYES, I NATURALLY WISHED TO FOLLOW IT, AND I SEE WITH PLEASURE IN MY MOTHER'S LETTERS THAT AS I GREW OLDER I BEGAN TO BE A GREATER COMFORT this is what she writes in 1876 even therese is anxious to make sacrifices marie has given her little sisters a string of beads on purpose to count their acts of self-denial they have really spiritual but very amusing conversations together celine said the other day how can god be in such a tiny host "'Thérèse answered, "'That is not strange, because God is almighty. "'And what does almighty mean? "'It means that God can do whatever he likes. "'But it is more amusing still to see Thérèse put her hand in her pocket "'time after time to pull a bead along the string "'whenever she makes a little sacrifice.' The children are inseparable, and are quite sufficient company for one another. Nurse has given Therese two bantams, and every day after dinner she and Sidine sit by the fire and play with them. One morning Therese got out of her cot and climbed into Sidine's. The nurse went to fetch her to be dressed, and when at last she found her, the little thing said, hugging her sister very hard, oh louise leave me here don't you see that we are like the little white bantams we can't be separated from one another it is quite true that i could not be separated from celine i would rather leave my dessert unfinished at table than let her go without me and i would get down from my high chair when she did and off we went to play together On Sundays, as I was still too small to go to the long services, Mamma stayed at home to take care of me. I was always very good, walking about on tiptoe, but as soon as I heard the door open there was a tremendous outburst of joy. I threw myself on my dear little sister, exclaiming, "'Oh, sit in, give me the blessed bread, quick!' One day she had not brought any. What was to be done? I could not do without it, for I call this little feast my mass. A bright idea struck me. You have no blessed bread? Make some. Céline immediately opened the cupboard, took out the bread, cut a tiny bit off, and after saying a Hail Mary quite solemnly over it, triumphantly presented it to me and i making the sign of the cross ate it with devotion fancying it tasted exactly like the real blessed bread one day leonie thinking no doubt that she was too big to play with dolls brought us a basket filled with clothes pretty pieces of stuff and other trifles on which her doll was laid here dear she said choose whatever you like celine looked at it and took a woolen ball after thinking about it for a minute i put out my hand saying i choose everything and i carried off both doll and basket without more ado this childish incident was a forecast so to speak of my whole life later on when the way of perfection was opened out before me, I realized that in order to become a saint, one must suffer much, always seek the most perfect path, and forget oneself. I also understood that there are many degrees of holiness, that each soul is free to respond to the calls of our Lord, to do much or little for His love. In a word, to choose amongst the sacrifices he asks, and then also, as in the days of my childhood, I cried out, My God, I choose everything, I will not be a saint by halves. I am not afraid of suffering for Thee, I only fear one thing, and that is to do my own will. Accept the offering of my will for I choose all that thou willest. But, dear mother, I am forgetting myself. I must not tell you yet of my girlhood. I am still speaking of the baby of three and four years old. I remember a dream I had at that age which impressed itself very deeply on my memory. I thought I was walking alone in the garden when suddenly I saw near the arbor two hideous little devils dancing with surprising agility on a barrel of lime in spite of the heavy irons attached to their feet at first they cast fiery glances at me then as though suddenly terrified i saw them in the twinkling of an eye throw themselves down to the bottom of the barrel from which they came out somehow only to run and hide themselves in the laundry which opened into the garden finding them such cowards i wanted to know what they were going to do and overcoming my fears i went to the window the wretched little creatures were there running about on the tables not knowing how to hide themselves from my gaze from time to time they came nearer peering through the windows with an uneasy air Then, seeing that i was still there THEY BEGAN TO RUN ABOUT AGAIN LOOKING QUITE DESPERATE. OF COURSE THIS DREAM WAS NOTHING EXTRAORDINARY, YET I THINK OUR LORD MADE USE OF IT TO SHOW ME THAT A SOUL IN THE STATE OF GRACE HAS NOTHING TO FEAR FROM THE DEVIL, WHO IS A COWARD, AND WILL EVEN FLY FROM THE GAZE OF A LITTLE CHILD. DEAR MOTHER, HOW HAPPY I WAS AT THAT AGE. I WAS BEGINNING TO ENJOY LIFE. AND GOODNESS ITSELF SEEMED FULL OF CHARMS. PROBABLY MY CHARACTER WAS THE SAME AS IT IS NOW, FOR EVEN THEN I HAD GREAT SELF COMMAND. I MADE A PRACTICE OF NEVER COMPLAINING WHEN MY THINGS WERE TAKEN, EVEN IF I WAS UNJUSTLY ACCUSED. I PREFERRED TO KEEP SILENT. THERE WAS NO MERIT IN THIS, FOR I DID IT NATURALLY how quickly those sunny years of my childhood passed away and what tender memories they have imprinted on my mind i remember the sunday walks when my dear mother always accompanied us and i can still feel the impression made on my childish heart at the sight of the fields bright with cornflowers poppies and marguerites even at that age i loved far-stretching views sunlit spaces and stately trees in a word all nature charmed me and lifted up my soul to heaven often during these walks we met poor people i was always chosen to give them an alms which made me feel very happy sometimes my dear father knowing the way was too long for his little queen took me home this was a cause of grief and to console me celine would fill her basket with daisies and give them to me on her return. Truly everything on earth smiled on me. I found flowers strewn at every step, and my natural happy disposition helped to make life bright. But a new era was about to dawn. I was to be the spouse of our Lord at such an early age that it was necessary I should suffer from my childhood." as the early spring flowers begin to come up under the snow and open at the first rays of the sun so the little flower whose story i am writing had to pass through the winter of trial and to have her tender cup filled with the dew of tears end of earliest memories